How's it going? It's a sad day, man. Sad day. Uh oh. Okay. What's going on? Oh, because of Kevin. Batman died. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Look, for a whole generation of people, and I know again, this is so he is Batman. Like it's it's that voice, the way he he could totally switch from Bruce Wayne to Batman and make it very distinct, but not do this. You know, I mean <laughs> he was a great actor period yeah defined the role made it his own and i i mean <laughs> just batman's dead i mean i i'm still trying to wrap my head around yeah. yeah i mean i still remember very vividly watching the first episode of the animated series it was on in prime time How on fox you? 13 13 gotcha yeah and i mean just and it sucked you in Right. Absolutely. I mean, you yeah. hear the the big swell, you know, the Danny Elfman score, which they also used originally on the animated series. And then you get into it and it's it's they did that revolutionary thing in animation where they used black backdrops instead of white. I mean, just created That's a it. whole yeah. neo noirish art deco. Anyway, I, I people go back and watch Batman, the animated series or play the Arkham games. Uh, which he came back with Mark Hamill to do all the voices on, on all three Arkham games, Arkham Knight, Arkham City, and uh, um, uh, uh, Arkham Asylum. And that was uh, the great Andrea Romero, right? Who also did the voice direction. The voice casting and casting voice direction, well. right? Yeah. So, yeah, credit to her as well. Absolutely, absolutely. But for discovering him, you know, for saying huh, this Bruce guy. <laughs> yeah, or or or, this or Kevin guy. Yeah, or recreating, you know, giving Mark Hamill a completely different. Uh, oh my god! Avenue. Yeah, it I launched mean, him in the voice world. You well, know, he is the Joker. Come on, come on. Right? No, I mean that's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, although although there does exist test footage of uh, audio footage too, uh, Tim Curry was doing it, and he had to back out. For real. Yeah, you can YouTube that. There, it's pretty good, man. Like, I'm not gonna lie, that it's it's pretty awesome. But oh, yeah, Mark Hamill's Mark Hamill's the Joker. It's just he he just took it, ran with it, made it his own. I agree. I agree. So what's yeah. other than that? What's going on with you? Uh, not much. We've been on set this week. You know, we've been shooting a a, a, a psychological horror short called Filth. Um. Okay. And uh, we're we're wrapping on Saturday, but we've been busy. We've been on set a lot this week, so you know it's always real stressful, even when you're shooting a short. Um, still a project, yeah. And you are you're just supervising them. In, in yeah, doing I'm this? producing. Um, it's a it's a capstone project by one of our students uh, who wrote the script, and uh, I really liked it. Um, we worked on it a little bit over the summer, kind of cleaned it up a little bit, and got it ready and um you know as part of his capstone production he's he's making it he's getting to make it you know he's directing it so you know i'm kind of producing in the background i only yeah. step in when needed you know which is which is you know it's rare but i'm always there i'm always it's always a presence i'm making things go 
Well, uh, with his permission, maybe we'll get to post that on our Discord when it's all said. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure he would love to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're um, we were rocking and rolling. You know, film shoots are always so interesting because it's such a rapid pace. I always tell people it's like the theater rehearsal process only on speed because you're you know, you're having to do all of that stuff. And sometimes, you know, five, seven, 10 days, right? Uh, 20 to 25 if you're doing a feature and it's like just so intense because you bond quickly or you don't right which makes it a whole different kind of set vibe but um as producer you know you just kind of you put the team together and and you kind of just cross your fingers and hope that you know hope that you get good stuff just put me in coach <laughs> yeah. yeah one of those i mean situations. some of it is intuition you know some yeah. of it is intuition, and some of it is is taking a risk you know uh especially mm -hmm. we had a lot of new people on this crew this time, you know, we shot a feature here last spring, and then yes. at the actually start of August, we we uh, we we wrapped that movie, and so but this one had a a lot of new people on it, so uh, and it and it's been going great. Yeah, we wrap uh, we wrap tomorrow. Awesome, 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 awesome. Uh, well, we're lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. Uh, each week here on this here show, uh, we look at a couple couple films that have uh, tickled us perhaps in some way, or might be in the cultural zeitgeist, which is what I have a feeling about Dr. Watson's film this week. Uh, when you texted me about it, I was a little surprised. Uh, he watched Don't Worry, Darling, uh, the uh, recent Olivia Wilde directed uh, uh, feature uh, starring Harry Styles. And is it, is it Florence? Is it Pew? Yes. That's how you pronounce it. Okay. I, didn't, Correct. I, was, I was desperately, I was just like, oh, I really don't, I hate butchering names, but it's just part of the job. Understood. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, on the other hand, uh, watched a little film called Better Off Dead, uh, directed by Savage Steve Holland from 1985, starring John Cusack, Diane Franklin, and the always amazing Curtis Armstrong. Uh, and I, I will get to that in just a little bit. Dr. Watson, tell me about... Oh, <laughs> we've got to... Please tell me we're starting with Better Off Dead, please. Okay, okay, I will start with Better Off Dead then since you're already- I love Better Off Dead. I can't wait. I was so excited when you oh. said you're doing Better Off Dead because I was like, great. We have polar opposite movies. That's yes. fantastic, but we have to start with Better Off Dead. All right, go and, for it. And I have, to, I have to give a shout out uh, to an old friend, Julie Weissman, who absolutely was just like, you're doing this film. And I said, absolutely. I will, I will, we are going to do this film. So thanks to her for, for this recommendation because- I, I had trepidation going into it. It had been a while since I had watched it. I mean, I loved the film. Uh, I've seen it at least a dozen times uh, growing up, but uh, it had been a spell. But as soon as I got situated in, in the headspace of it, uh, I just, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, revisiting this. I, I think it's interesting to start with Better Off Dead by, be, by having a little bit of a talk about the 80s teen comedy. Okay. Uh, in general, I and and we'll let's let's say eighty to eighty-seven. I think it starts to peak out a little around eighty-seven um, with like uh, you know uh, what's that Patrick Dempsey movie? Uh, uh, oh, can't buy me love. Can't buy me love. Yeah, you got can't buy me love and some kind of wonderful in nineteen eighty-seven, which really yeah. kind of capped. I think what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, it it, it sort of begins to you know trail off, but. When when students ask me about because we have a few '80s teen films on the on the film list for them to watch, you know, they go why and 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 I go, this is a completely new, unique hand of years 
in entertainment and culture where, again, the concept of teenagers had only been coined in the 50s. You know, this right. is a post-World War II thing. There's a wonderful documentary about it called uh, Teenage, actually, uh, that goes into the sociological history of it that I, that I would recommend to people. But suddenly you had a, an age demographic that had money, that could get around, uh, that could become, you know, consumers, influencers, uh, all of this stuff. And Hollywood, being its very self, was just like, holy shit, we can make a lot of money, you know, on these on these films. And they did. I, I mean, holy moly. What would you say? Conservatively, billions of dollars. Oh, easily. Yeah, yeah. easily. You know, easily. at the end of the day with with video and this is also at the at the uh the beginning of the vi home video boom you know our group guess what we were buying our parent would you buy oh god please buy me ferris bueller's day off i promise i'll watch it over and over you know and when we you did. only had yeah. yeah and when you only yeah. had you know four or five vhs tapes anyway you know you could afford anyway uh yeah you just you wore these things out and they were always the breakfast club and ferris bueller and pretty and pink better off dead one crazy summer uh, all of these films and, you know, VHS tapes were what, a hundred bucks, I think to, to buy originally. Yeah, they, right. Yeah. They were pretty coveted at first, you know, because, um, the, the idea of people wanting to own it was still sort of like fresh, you know? Um, and so I think that it was, it was rare, you know, you'd have some really big release, you know, and then they would say, VHS 1995, you know, like it would come down to like a retail price. You know, I remember mm -hmm. Titanic was like 29.98 because it was two tapes, right? It was a double. Oh God, it's like, it's like a brick. Right, the two right, tape, exactly. Anything, basically anything over two hours, they were going to split into two tapes. You like, knew you were going to pay more, know. right, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, but um, but yeah, so so just giving this a little bit of context to try to understand, because I'm sure if I actually had our students watch Better Off Dead, they would go, why, <laughs> why happened? did we watch this? Yeah. You know, and I'm just yeah, like, I agree. that's why it's not on the list, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. why it's not on the list, because it's too hard right. to explain, because yeah. this film, this film, and I will say it's it's companion, One Crazy Summer. Mm -hmm. are actually making fun of the teen films while at yes. the same time somehow being a teen film that fulfills all the roles it's it's meta it is so it, meta it is it, in a huge cartoon with actual cartoons and claymation i mean when i try to explain this film to people they look at me like i invented something and i'm just like <laughs> this exists this is not some cocaine dream you, Did know, you hear him uh, talking about better off dead? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Pass the bowl. What he was yeah. on when he was talking about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, it's all true. It's, it's true. All, all true. I mean, that I. While at times this movie has the production value of a David Lee Roth video, you know. <laughs> Sometimes. And by the way, David Lee Roth. Video. Right when we get to the claymation <laughs> sequence, and it's everybody wants some. They 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 paid Van Halen for that. Although I was as I was watching it. I noticed because again, it's been a while since I've seen it. The claymation hamburger that is singing David Lee. I know this is a ridiculous sentence. I'm even forming right now. The claymation hamburger is playing Eddie Van Halen's red and white mud guitar, but yet David Lee Roth is singing. And I was like, oh, sticking it to Eddie one more time, huh, Dave? 
I don't, you're not going to just imagine Eddie Van Halen going, fuck. Yep. <laughs> For those of you interested in the very obscure uh, history of, of Van Halen, please go read up on it because it was not good. Yeah, um, that transition between David and Sammy wasn't, was isn't really exactly smooth but yeah. um you know. and this is at exactly about that time 1985 yeah 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 this is after yeah. 84 <laughs> this is after the album 1984 that's came right out, you that's know? right so that's right oh my goodness i am knee deep in the 80s today i, just, I don't know <laughs> you are you're you're like we're like a never-ending story and you're orcax the <laughs> yes. horse and i'm trying to like pull you out of the muck like no come on come on <laughs> Not gonna make it. <laughs> Not gonna make it, Jody. We're here, brother. Let's we're, go. We're here, but uh, so so you know, uh, John Cusack really hates this movie. Um, has always really? has always Come been vocal. On. He walked really? out. He walked out on the screening of it and told Savage Steve Holland, "What have you done? You've ruined, you've ruined me, and this is a terrible film." But yet, came back and did one crazy summer you know this this other companion film with Demi Moore as the as the love interest yeah um and 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 not as effective a movie but still just as funny because I always think of the line chili dogs uh whenever I think about (laughs) when I think about word crazy summer but uh but so anyway this was you know John Cusack had a string of films he was starting let's see there was Hot Pursuit One Crazy Summer Better off dead. He's in Sixteen Candles. I mean, he's you know. Well, but Sixteen Candles I mean, is like supporting, he's, but I mean, he's he, yeah. He was a presence in the genre, right? Like early on in the John Hughes stuff. You know, I mean, you you yeah. He's there. He's in the background. Yeah. 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 As is always to his sister, the wonderful Joan. That's you know, right. With yeah. the with the brace, the brace <laughs> from the water fountain, the little doily, you know, the thing. It's such a great joke, but um. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, this was, you know, he, it was apparent early on that, that, that all of us wanted, I can at least, I will blanket this statement, almost all young men wanted to be John Cusack. Like it was, yes. he was the coolest, the funniest, yes, little nerdy, but and yet. What is it, Chuck, Chuck Klosterman and, and Sex, yes. Drugs and Cocoa Puffs in the book that like, has a whole chapter dedicated to how, but you know, John yeah. Cusack and yeah, yeah. You know, and then of course he caps off the decade with say anything, right. which just absolutely puts him the crown on him, right? That's it's just absolutely. like, yeah, fucking Lloyd Dobler, man. Like he's just like <laughs> the she Dobler. Gave my heart. She gave me a pen. That's she right. gave me a pen, right? right. I, I I don't want to I don't want to sell anything or buy any process anything, right? It's just like this. There's this whole. Go ahead, Pip. There's this whole. Really speech. into kickboxing. You heard of kickboxing? It's the sport of the future. Uh, it's the sport of the future. Uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of want to just hang out with your daughter. It's such the you know, ultimate say, line. Say anything is that maybe we can say Jeff that Cameron Crow is responsible for taking that sort of formula into the '90s because you know it was like yes. say anything and then singles in '91 or '92 like yeah. that. You know that took that generation to a like a college age kind of thing, and then he yes, kind of actually started, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it never really goes goes back to this place. Although by the time we get into the mid nineties, now we get into more of the of the American clueless. Pie. 
Well, American Pie's at the end of the decade. Though. I'm talking about right. mid mid '90s. We've got Clueless and and sort of the 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 emergence of the um, of the It Girl. Ten really, Things I know? Hate About You. Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh God, all the Shakespeare adaptations. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. American Pie comes at the end and sort of brings us back to you know not the, the gross quite out comedy, right? Yeah. The gross out comedy. You know. Well, we'll just tell her that we ate it all. Um. You know. I mean, it, it's just I still remember seeing American Pie. Crowded full theater and just such a fun time. The energy you know? was, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're and you're rooting for these losers. Yeah. Like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, oh, no. it's just like, but you just, can't you can't make American Pie in 2022. Well, you can't make any of these films. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just it's just sure. not gonna happen. And, and I'll go ahead here. I made a list of things, and I'm gonna check these off with you for Better Off Dead. Huh. All right, Uh-oh. here we go, all right. <laughs> is this is this, is this the cancellation of Better Off Dead? Basically, we're just gonna go through the check. No, no, I just want people to understand. You know, it's, it's just okay, like when we you. say I something like, well, why, why couldn't they make this? Right, movie? Okay. right, I got you, I got you. All right, uh, Lloyd's obsession with his girlfriend of six months. He even has like, the joke is too, like he's got pictures of her all <laughs> over his wall. And he has her as like clothes hangers, like her picture of her face and like, okay, so obsession, that's a mark. Um, can't, can't, can't have that. Um, that's just too much. Uh, 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 little brother, horny genius. <laughs> okay, check mark Badger right next to that one. But I who love liter- Badger. Who literally, He's which brings me. Which brings me to the mailman, Taylor Negron, who brings Badger a book called How to Pick Up Trashy Women. <laughs> yes. What's a little boy like you doing with big boy smut like this? Oh, All right. All right. Yep, mailman, yep, check. 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 Yep, check. <laughs> By the way, Taylor Negron would show up in like the weirdest, just, he was like that kind of weird go-to guy. Like, and he also he shows up in the last Boy Scout. Do you remember he was the heavy in the last Boy Scout? Yes, yes. Yes. What did that happen? Who? Did, yeah. What? He had dead eye. Like he just. Yeah. yeah. I remember watching this. It's yeah. intense. Like yeah. that's an intense little scene he has in that yeah. film. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Vincent Chiavelli as the geometry teacher who asks out Beth. And Please for those come of you, up and give us your solution to this paltry. Geometric dilemma. And of course, he had just hot off fast times at Ridgemont High with the ultimate line, please, children, this morning I switched to Sanka. <laughs> All right, so lecherous teacher, check. Check, yeah. All right. Um, the foreign exchange student who a mom gets for her son, Ricky. Check. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's so. Uh, she even uh, somebody says it. Monique, love international language. Monique. Love this Monique. is Jill, Jill and I were talking about it as we were watching it, and I, I immediately said, "You know who would have all?" I mean, I love the Ricky's mom. She's fantastic. Right, yeah, yeah. But maybe it's just because it was currently on my mind. I was like, "I bet you Divine would have been really." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Would have just ate that. Oh, yeah. would it just crushed, crushed it. it on this whole other level? Um, hey, Ricky, I'm real sorry, your mom blew up. And <laughs> we're just we're just tossing out these lines, I, you it's know, because it's so ingrained in us. Like, 
Like yes. this movie was just like it's cattle branded onto it. Okay, like, okay, I got. I'm gonna do. I'm only gonna do two more. I'm only gonna torture. One of my top ten comedies of all time, Jeff. Yes, like it's on that list for me. So yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do two more for our audience. I'm gonna stop torturing our audience. Foreign Howard Cosell. I I you just got to go to the YouTube and watch it. That that's I will post this in Discord. I again, every segment of that is pure comedy gold. With and all now due how, respect, we're not gonna. We're, we won't even try to impersonate it. No, because, because whoever actually does moment. the Cosell yeah. voice, yes, it might be Rich Little. I, I, I've got a feeling because Rich Little does the radio guy in One Crazy Summer. Right. I need, I, I need to go. Right. <laughs> it could be. Well, we should. It could be. Look I will. That up. I will look yeah. that up and post. All right, one more. Porky shows up in this film. <laughs> the titular Porky of Porkies. Porky's two the next day. Porky's the revenge, right? Playing in a meta sense again. Yes. The owner of Pig Burger. Yes. So again, Savage Steve Holland, who which is a statement, by the way, I think. Well, okay, go ahead. What was? I mean, I mean, you know, Porky representing what you were just suggesting. You know, I do think that Savage Steve Holland might have been kind of saying that the Porky's movies were, you know, pretty trashy. You know. Um, I, I, I think that's a little comment there and a little dig. Well, but what's interesting, okay, I'm only going to sidetrack this real quick though, for people, the first Porky's movie is, is directed by Bob Clark, who also right. directed a Christmas story Correct. and, but it's an exploitation film and it's an exploitation film. Oh, he can dress yes. it up any we way even he wants. knew that in 1982. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a VHS people wanted to own. <laughs> <laughs> that was a coveted one. Yes. Was coveted. You want to talk about a VHS always that was out out rented? Porky's <laughs> is never here. It's always checked out. Yeah, it's why? about twenty eight days late. It's twenty eight days late, and not, probably why not coming it, back. Why is this tape worn in like this one segment of the film? That was another thing. That like, was another thing. Had a movie that was really popular, and the tape got ruined. Then you had to wait for them to order a replacement copy, and it would have to be shipped in and you had to go on the wait list for when the new copy got there that was another thing kids that we had to deal with with the video yes. store as amazing as it was so so this this guy savage steve holland writer and director of, of this film i mean he kind of comes out of nowhere you know and he's just he he was working in the system he was an actual he all the animated drawings you see in it he you know this guy can draw he can write he can you know he's he's got a definite love of looney tunes uh warner brothers cartoons being over the top certainly has to be a fan of zazz because it's just you know some of the some of the runners in this film I, there, there's this one particular sequence he does really well uh it's it's what i have in my notes as please don't let it be a booger like <laughs> that when he meets her for the first time and they're having like internal monologue and she's like he scratched his nose should i scratch my nose or my face my face what is it what if i got she's done it again what is it is that relish gross is there relish oh don't let it oh please oh please don't let it be a booger like somehow yeah Go it ahead. captures the anxiety right like so well right because right. it's genuine but yet it's so funny the way that it's played and the way that it's 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 structured in the story yeah well, also like his his pointing out the ridiculousness of hormones in general. Yeah, right, you, you know, right, again, right, right. you know, they were only dating six months. They did take each other's virginity, <laughs> but yet he is so obsessed with her. Like, yes. you know, in that way, when you're yes. young, that you would become 
obsessed with someone, you know, like, but I mean, his is next level, you know, stalker, you know, Ted stalker. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be a stalker, Ted. (laughs) Yeah. But, but that just tapping into like how hard it is when you're a teenager to let go of a crowd, you know, like some, you just feel like your heart's just been beat up and pounded on any, and he does like these really nice things in the movie, like these animated segments that I was talking about. And there's a claymation segment and he uses those to sort of in a very unique way, like you're alluding to, you know, give, give something that has been just tired and troped out and give it some dynamic, right? Yeah, give, it was fresh. This movie's it was got flair, you know, this, fresh. this movie's got dynamics. This, you know, it's, it's again, doing this very complicated dance of trying to parody yet still have the structure of the teen comedy and hit the beats and have the romantic ending with one of the greatest crane shots ever out of Dodger Stadium with that paper boy bicycling towards them because you wonder in your head, you're like, how did that end? Oh. <laughs> I always like it. I know. Shot. I always like to think like, she punches the paper boy like he gets he gets up to it and she's just like what is this nonsense <laughs> and i'm just yes. like because you know i want my two dollars oh see i i it's a, another one it's a meme folks it's an actual gift too i want <laughs> it's got raisins in it do you all like raisins, raisins don't you like raisins the way the- Kim- the food just kind of moves by <laughs> itself and goes off the table yeah the mom who can't cook Right, she only makes disgusting food, and this is played by Kim Darby. Kim yes. Darby, who was an Oscar-nominated actress for the original True Grit, and she correct. and David Ogden Stiers are so good as the parents in this film. Yes, you know, just hilarious. I don't, you know, that was the other shocking thing too. In in, in watching this again, was that it's just like. You know, these are all really good performances. Like these yeah, are all yeah. they were all really, very committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You they know, got all it, in. You know, I, I mean, imagine. I and I want I want you to put your director's cap on for a second. Okay. For for, for the audience, I mean, you you get this script, right? And you're like, okay, you know, you know, you're going to need a buy-in. I mean, what, what, how would you, how would you do that? I mean, you're, and thinking you're dealing with like John Cusack and, and, you know, Curtis Armstrong and, and all these people and, you know, you know, they're inherently funny, but you're not quite sure. How do you have buy-in on this sort of well, thing? Well, with comedy, it's really, you know, I would say that you really do have to do good auditions and good, like thinking through the casting, you know what I mean? Because uh, so Cusack is who I would focus on casting first, you know, like getting, getting him and Monique, like who, you know, if, if that's where you're going, right. Like in terms of wanting yes. to discuss that kind of stuff. Yeah. You, you, you have to find uh, the right comedic actors. I think that he obviously had a cadre of, of people that he probably either wanted to use or knew. I mean, Curtis Armstrong, you know, I mean, the, the way that he's found those people who just kind of slid into that comedic Charles picture. Dumar. I mean, it's just cr- the top hat. It's just coat. I can't even get real drugs in this town. <laughs> so once he sets that lineup, then we have the runner of him like snorting snow, <laughs> snorting jello, ingesting. <laughs> I mean, the setup of that again yes. takes a lot of thought. And it's just yes. like, okay, well, this is gonna be a runner. 
The Paperboy thing's going to be. There's like six runners in this film. The Howard Cosell is a runner. Um, you, you know, that's Badger. How do you Badger find Badger is a runner? Right. Like, right. I, I, you know, this is again what separates it in the teen comedy genre also because teen comedies didn't have these type of runners. I mean, I, I guess you I'm thinking in terms of, of being that layered in terms of what. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I mean, rules are free, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, this is this is again why I say like it's Zaz type humor because there's just there's rules of three and ridiculousness going, right? And you can bring bring back the joke if it's germane, and right. and, and I got to be honest, the better off it it works every time, right? I, I mean, the Howard Cosell thing is it's all refrains, right? But he yes. keeps coming back to it at the right you know moments and, for relief and really yeah yeah. And then he sets it up so beautifully with the Camaro. The last one is the Camaro part. Where the Camaro gets fixed and they change the music to Muddy Waters, right? right. Manish Boy, I'm a man. We right. passed a 21. <laughs> we want you to understand uh, uh, with these 80s teen comedies, again, what was on the mind of how these films got made, you know? And it was Hollywood, disposable income teenagers, you know, churning the stuff out, you know, probably a new one, what, every six weeks, I would say, but probably at its zenith. Um, would be safe to say. I mean, major summer release, you know, yeah. I, 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 you know, and, and could compete with 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 you know your Spielberg films and all of this. I mean, yeah. you know, people forget. Uh, Stranger Things uh, reminded us all of the of the of the mall and the Cineplex. Yeah, you know, uh, and and that you know, if you were at the mall all day, you'd go to two movies. Uh, it's sometimes three. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, you're there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you're going to hang out there all day, day, especially in the summers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, there was that's... arcades, there was ice skating, there was, you know, you could do everything, you know, and it was safe. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, at least where I was, it was safe, you know, I mean, and so, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, but but Stranger Things does do a wonderful job of dis, um, of distilling that sense of wonder and 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 fantasy and joy and all of those things that the mall brought us right when we were growing up. Uh, and cinema, you know, every mall had a theater. So it's just, it's just integral to that piece, right. Of the, of the seventies, uh, eighties, even nineties to a certain extent culture. Right. Yeah. So it's just, we, we have these archival pieces that you're right. That are, that are, that we're proud of and fond of, but we understand that like you're, what you're saying is very accurate. You know, like yeah. you, you, they're not necessarily going to translate nor should they to a 2022 audience, but but yeah, yeah, I just had to get that in there because that was, yeah. you know, this is part of like, because I was like, I'm so excited that he's doing better off dead. And then I was like, <laughs> why am I so excited? Other than the fact that it's, you know, it's always on a top 10 list for me in terms of comedies of all time. And then I asked myself, what? Well, should I revise it? Why is that on that list? You know, and then I started mm-hmm. thinking through the movie yeah, uh, and just was like, no, it stays. It's, yeah. it's, it's all it's the all- bits. All yeah. the bits, all the runners, the 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 just the whole the whole nine. So yeah, uh, again, thank you to uh, to uh, uh, our friend who recommended uh, we we actually go in the deep end with this one. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're uh, we're lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. We just got done talking about Better Off Dead. Uh, up next, Dr. Watson is going to talk about Don't Worry, Darling, uh, from this year, uh, the film directed by Olivia Wilde, starring. Uh, Harry Styles, who I understand is a pop star of some sort, uh, and uh, Florence Pugh. So, uh, Dr. Watson, I know absolutely nothing about this film. 
Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, you, you uh, know, very little context. Um, well, this, this movie was um, you know, kind of all the rage uh, on, uh, on, on uh, social media and, and whatnot. It was Hollywood buzz for a while because of, you know, some of the stuff that happened BTS and, and uh, you know, some of the stuff that was, you know, that led up to its premiere at Cannes. And so, and so I, I don't want to, I just don't really think much of that if any of it is relevant. And I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I'll tell you, it was my students who were probably like closet Harry Styles, like fanatics. Um, so you're, so you're kept, saying that you're saying there was like some hot goss on this film? Like it, yes, it. yes, yes, yes. Um, and um, I, I just, you know, I'd rather just focus on the movie, like, uh, you know, as a standalone kind of thing. And I, I didn't, I try not to pay much attention to, uh, to that kind of publicity stuff that was coming out about the film. But I will say that I probably would not have heard of the film as quickly as I did, uh, you know, had students not been like, Hey, have you heard about the new Harry Styles movie? And I'm like, Oh my God, he's making movies now. I thought he was just doing music. And I, you know, um, but quite often musicians make transitions into film and it works out, you know, well, they end up being good performers and sometimes it, it, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, uh, or it takes time, you know, in the right, uh, the right script or whatever. Uh, don't really, don't, don't worry, darling. Jeff is, I think if I could just distill it sure. to start, uh, it's dystopian sci-fi. Hmm. Uh, and okay. that, is not, that is not a genre that I think people expected Olivia Wilde to kind of jump into as a second directorial hmm. project. I mean, she did Booksmart in 2019, uh, also with Katie Silberman, who did the mm -hmm. script for uh, Don't Worry Darling, as well as that one. Um, and uh, I, you know, this, this is very different terrain. It's different waters uh, for her content wise. So here, so here's the thing. Um, Alice, who's played by Florence Pugh, and Jack, who's played by Harry Styles, uh, are a loving young couple uh, living in Victory, California in the 1950s idyllic suburbia. Um, and uh, this community is, you know, seems kind of like, you know, privileged uh, suburban uh, dreams. Some might even call it a nightmare. <laughs> Um, uh, way to live, but the film kind of starts out in the first 20 minutes of the movie, Jeff, it really kind of misleads you. You might start thinking it's going to be some sort of satire, but then of course, and with some, some reveals and act between act one and two, it kind of shifts gears and we start to realize, oh, okay, okay. Uh, we're, we're going to reveal something different and this movie's going to take <laughs> some turns. Okay, cool. So it's not a satire. I think people, uh, might be misled thinking that it's a satire if they don't stick it out. It's a long movie. Uh, it has some pace, pay, uh, pacing issues, um, but those really aren't revealed until Alice, something happens to one of the other wives in the community. She commits suicide and Alice starts to ask questions and investigate the nature of how the community is set up. And that, of course, starts to create tensions within the community, which then, of course, eventually you know, reveal um, uh, some things that are going on that aren't exactly what they what they appear to be. Okay, uh, mm -hmm. this is where um, Frank, who's played by Chris Pine, uh, comes in. Oh, Chris Pine's in this film. Frank, yes, and he's okay. delicious. He's delicious. Uh, he comes into the film, and he's sort of the leader of this, you know, community here in Victory, California. 
And, um, you know, okay, so this is the point where if you're listening, people, and you haven't seen the movie, you need to stop, go watch the movie, come back, because I'm about to, you know, talk about some spoilers. If you're not interested in that, then keep listening. Um, so the reveal is, Jeff, obviously, that uh, the 1950 situation is not reality. It's something that's being programmed in her. Uh, she's she, She's got these you know, uh, eye pieces where she's kind of, you know, so now we start to flash back between like, okay, is she seeing these visions because she's going crazy or is she, is there something else going on? And eventually we find out that she's really just been kind of programmed with this technology to be in this simulated world where everything is perfect and her alternate existence was, was, you know, quite different from where she was sort of trapped by the by the technology um and okay, uh, okay hang on because yeah. i'm getting a little confused and muddled here um well, i think a lot of people do and this is where the movie has problems ah uh, okay because okay. it tries to um it tries to okay so i want you to think it's stepford wives a little bit of truman show a mm-hmm. little bit of pleasantville and a okay. little bit of the matrix mm. all kind of trying to work together on this story of you know, um, how does she escape? Does she need to escape from this uh, sort of uh, digital technological surrealistic world, virtual world that she's living Mm -hmm. in, in order to survive? Can she get out of it because she's being, um, you know, restrained sort of and imprisoned in both, right? Okay, Uh, so is is she actually matrix so she's plugged in all of the matrix is more that or less correct? yeah okay okay more okay that's what's yeah. going on she's okay. plugged in and um and that's where i think people had kind of a uh issues with the movie because it you could you could very easily say that this movie is all over the place right like that it tries to do too much um and uh i think some of that would be fair criticism jeff i i i enjoyed the movie i was able to follow some of the twists and turns it took me a second but I think what helped me was the fact that these reveals and twists, the way that she unleashes this kind of layered narrative of, of what's real and what's not, and you know what's what's really being free and and what's being imprisonment, right? This sort of questioning these um, psychological kinds of con- uh, uh, concepts um, is that not really much of what she does is very fresh. Right. So when, when you, when you get to the reveals, it's like, Oh, okay. So it's kind of like the Truman show or, Oh, it's kind of like, you right. know, the, right. So there's nothing really super fresh. It's just, um, the, the thing that I think subtextually is going on is of course, um, the, the very strong feminist rhetoric in the piece. This is Florence Pugh's movie and she is incredible. I mean, I'm sure you liked her in Midsummer. Um, I'm, I mean, she, she's in little women. I mean, she's, she's very good. And I think she's definitely one of the, the bright young talents that we have working, uh, in some, I really look forward to seeing what she does, uh, next because she's, she's very good and she carries this movie and she's very compelling. Uh, Chris Pine, wonderful in this movie. It's a perfect, uh, fit for him, uh, because he just needs to sort of be that smug, you know, um, you don't really know what's going on here, right? But he's the kind right. of guy that you want to take, you want to take down, right? And he just right. he just plays that very well. Um, uh, and then then the only other thing really discussed performance wise outside of story is Harry Styles. And I I, I 
So the controversy, Jeff, and this is the only thing I'll say, is that Shia LaBeouf was originally cast as Jack. Oh, boy. The Harry Styles role. <laughs> right. We Shia already know Bo- this comes with baggage. <laughs> right. So for, for whatever reasons, like whether Shia LaBeouf quit, whether Olivia Wilde fired him, whether she fired him, he got upset, all this, you know, there's so much like lore almost now out there about this guy. So it doesn't really matter. Shia's not in the movie. And had he been in the movie, I'm not quite sure what that would have done jeff i think it would have really made the film a lot more comical i think it would have shifted it into more satire and i don't think that's what olivia wilde was trying to do with the Mm -hmm. movie i think it's very much a film about women Mm -hmm. and womanhood and um you know the female way of thinking and and or the woman's i don't know i'm probably not articulating it very well but it's um, it's very much um, it's very much a feminist piece. Like there's a lot of subtext going on there uh, about it, you know, from sexual assault to you know all kind. There's a lot going on in the movie mm-hmm. uh, from a feminist perspective that we should be paying attention to and listening to other people than me talk more, um, you know, more effectively about it who are more specialized in those ways. But um, Harry Styles did not bother me, Jeff. Shia would have made it more comedic and i think that it was smart on olivia wilde's part by 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 replacing him um he would not have worked so harry styles is who we're stuck with and this is you know a big a big project to take on when you're mm-hmm. you know very young actor and not very experienced um he is a performer and i think he i think he's really good jeff i mm. I, I know some people have trashed him but i mean i think you know some of that i liked is, him in dunkirk yeah, I mean, you, you can know, only work yeah. with the material that you have, right? And so, um, you know, if you're going to criticize the performance, you know, the next thing I go to is really, well, what's what script were they given? What, you know, what kind of direction were they given? Um, and I think Olivia Wilde very much knew what she was doing. Like, I think she she did a, a really good job of of uh, casting and working within her ensemble. Nick Kroll's in this. Olivia Wilde is in it, plays Bunny, a very very critical role in the movie she's very good mm-hmm. um and harry works i mean he had a couple of really good scenes where i'm like that's pretty good vulnerability for a fresh actor you know to be able to play some of those scenes the way that the way that he did so um you know the okay so the criticisms of the film jeff really are i mean i think it's fair to say that um uh, that it has a tone to it that could irritate some people right like mm-hmm. it's it's artsy in places. I think, <laughs> I think, I think I'm more forgiving of that kind of stuff because Olivia when you, when you Wilde say, is still a young, a young director. And when you say artsy, a, what, what do you mean? Okay. Like, well, so, a, for, so for example, um, when we're sort of starting to get the idea that she's not uh, maybe her reality is not what she thinks it is. She starts having these sort of visions of Busby Berkeley, like, ballet choreography where the women are kind of so it's like a it's it's almost like doing a dream sequence effect that you would Mm -hmm. see in a montage or something but it's it's kind of incorporates a noirish busby berkeley kind of thing that but is she is she she envisioned you know i mean okay i was gonna say like expressing herself yeah is so i would assume then that the character sees this vision you're talking about yes. right going on so therefore yes. it's not magical realism because if it was magical realism then all characters would be able to see it right and right. and and um 
and and this is just uh yeah this is just the the way of 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 signifying to the audience that we're in her head you know we're seeing what she's okay. vision wise and and we're supposed to feel that disorientation and disorder mm-hmm. or need for order like mm-hmm. she uh is is experiencing so she's consistent um, with that though once she establishes she the trigger he is but it's yeah. you know i i i i don't see any any problem with it doesn't bother me but i can see where other people would go oh come on that's so like artsy and like you know and i'm like oh god forbid that someone like try and express the medium like right in these way right their their emotions through these mediums right it's like I, I liked to see the choices, right? I like it when directors take risks and when they do things and put themselves out there. And and so I appreciated it, but I understand that that's where some people criticize the movie. And of course, well, you know, to the, the idea that the story's kind of all over the place, right? Well, but I mean, but that aside, like you're saying, when you swing for the fences, it's better than having dystopian science fiction film number thirty-seven. You know what I mean? Like it's well, and I least... think, but I think some people feel that it is that. Like that she. Oh wow! Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not what I'm getting from your description at all. Well, well, because I had a different vibe for it. I mean, while I think that those narrative themes in dystopian science fiction are not anything new, I enjoyed watching Olivia Wilde's interpretation of that content. You know, I enjoyed watching her create the form in which I was going to experience that content, and I think that that's where I probably felt the freshness. Um, I liked the performances a lot. And I have to tell you, uh, the DP on this film mm-hmm. was um, Matthew Liebatik. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Not, really, not ringing a bell. Also DP on Black Swan, Requiem for a Dream, Stars Born. Oh like, my goodness. He worked he, with Aronofsky more than once? Yes. yes. God bless let him. Tell you, Jeff, let me tell you, Jeff, some, the, from a production standpoint, this movie is amazing. It's mm-hmm. Incredible shots. Amazing composition. The production design team for the 1950 stuff. Oh my gosh, impeccable work! Like very mm-hmm. costumes, just impeccable work. Like Oscar nomination kind of work, in my opinion. Not saying win, but nomination for sure. Right, great work. Um, so there's a lot to like about this movie. Um, you know, there's so I'm just trying to sort of raise devil's advocates right like arguments mm-hmm. that i've heard against it because i i these are the things i disagreed with i was like okay you know i can kind of see that you thought it was dystopian fiction film science 37 because right. the themes are consistently repeated in the genre of you know hey when i order a happy meal it always comes with the cheeseburger fries or apple slices like mm-hmm. i know what i'm getting like why are you upset that she didn't reinvent the wheel of the genre for why her. did you fry the apple slices I mean, I mean yeah i mean come on you know i mean <laughs> so you wanted fries and she gave you apples you know yeah. apple slices i i you know i that's that's sort of where i i i land with it it's an interesting film jeff and, and I, I think it's production wise it's very smart and good does it reinvent the wheel no but is it a fascinating watch absolutely yeah well, I, I'm, 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 it's going on the list. Now you, you have convinced me, sir. It is, it is, I have to give this thing a look. Well, I think people should, you know, you should always see it for yourself. Um, but it just dropped on HBO max. It had a, okay. it had a run in the theaters, but, uh, but it dropped last week on HBO max. And I, I decided to do it because I was fascinated. Uh, the students had talked about it. Um, a couple of them have asked if I had seen it and I was like, no, I haven't, but hmm. You know, it had, um, you know, it made the rounds on all of the 
the the pop cultural film podcasts, right? You know, oh, so I'm, sure. I'm like, no, I didn't listen to those, but I, as I see them, I'm like, okay, well, obviously it must be huge because they're talking about it. It wasn't like a box office bonanza hit or anything. It's just people had been talking about it because of Harry Styles and right. because of the uh, you know all of the controversy surrounding Shia LaBeouf and 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 mm-hmm. that uh, and that stuff. So, well. I, I love dystopian science fiction. I, it's it's not only in, in film, but in literature and also in comics. I, I've always had a deep, deep love of it because it allows us to, again, it's, it's what I always felt like, even if I take the dystopian aspect out of it and just leave it as science fiction, you know, the, to me, the best science fiction is, is the reflective science fiction, you know, that it, it holds the, the mirror up, right? That we can talk about the difficult things uh and you know when i when i think back about the heyday of dystopian science fiction again it's during the 70s Mm -hmm. you know uh uh silent running uh soyant green um uh logan's run um all of these things about what can go wrong thx one one three eight you know uh, yeah um i i will say this i think it's it's probably incredibly fair to say that this is feminist dystopian science fiction which is something we really we do not have yeah we because because uh, even the step even the two film versions of the stepford wives are male oh absolutely yeah 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 absolutely you know um and so this is you know this is something that just by its nature you know i was like people are talking about this what you know what is it about it that's you know that's intriguing or fresh you know and and i think that a lot of it can be and should be attributed to well it's an interesting female director who you know has has showed a lot of talent and intelligence and promise and she's trying her hand at at a, at a new genre you know it's it's, yeah. it's new content you know and just like jordan peele experiences right when he shifts and tries to do different things uh you know it's um um, you know, we, we have to be patient with these, uh, with these artists, with these creators, you know, because it, it, you know, they have to find their, their, their voice and where, where it is and where it resides within content and material. Yeah. I, will well, add I, mean, this. I, I saw that somebody said, um, I can't remember it, it, where the source was, but somebody compared this film to kind of a, a, a me to get out film. And I think that's huh. entirely unfair and inaccurate and belittles mm-hmm. both films. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, darling, and get out because, yeah. um, you know, I, I just get out needs to stand on its own. It has different issues. And I see that only similarities just in terms of like tone. Uh, right. That's, that's tone only. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in, in two, as we've talked about on the show many times uh, in, 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 you know, in the past, um, you know, creating new stories based on these old ideas that aren't some sort of IP or any, you know, any of this, if we don't give these things room to breathe, whether good, bad, or indifferent, you know, this is just another dagger in that heart. You know, this is another step closer to the only thing at the Cineplex is, you know, Marvel, DC, or whatever is being... 
Wakanda forever. Yep. Uh, sorry, gang. Wish I could. Wish I could get up for it, but you know, I'm just like it's still just I'll another Marvel movie. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> just another Marvel movie. I hope Marvel it does movie. well. I hope it does well. I hope yeah. it does well. No, I, I love Ryan Coogler. I, I'm not. I, I, and and Black Panther did so much, I think, uh, and still does uh, so much for black representation. And so, well, I, think I mean, you know, the the the, the beautiful aspects of taking, you know, creating Afrofuturism, which is. Yeah not been represented it's it has been on screen just very not there very much because we not just enough, right. not enough you know uh, but if you do go back to a lot of the uh kirby designed comics you know he was into weird futurisms you know cubists he really studied painting i mean it's it's there but i mean i'm not taking anything away from kugler and his team by the way right. and saying right. that but but no i i I appreciate Black Panther, you know, for what it is, but unfortunately, at the end of the day, it's just another movie in in the Marvel scheme. In the Marvel, yeah, yeah, you know. And I kind of there's that side of me that wishes that it wasn't, you know, that I was just like it it, that it did stand on its own legs, and that. But you know, we'll take what we can get. Right. Absolutely. With that, Uh, you can get in touch with us a number of ways. Uh, You can click on our link uh, to our Discord, which we run. Uh, that's in our show notes and over there we'll be we always post stuff and chat and talk so that's always welcome you're always welcome always open to come over there it's a good space uh you can email us lonelyphds at gmail.com uh and as always you know you could uh subscribe rate review the show uh apple podcast podbean google you know whatever your podcatcher is We, we we don't you know we don't discriminate. Uh, we take all all comers. And uh, in, in, uh, with that said, uh, uh, until next time, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. I'm Dr. Joseph Watson. We'll see you then. Go Tigers. Mm-hmm.